This is the Excellent Reception Podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Little Dave, and welcome to another episode of Excellent Reception, the podcast where we talk about timeless music and tell the stories behind the songs to help you better understand why they're so amazing. Before we get started, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please take the time to leave a review. These help to push up our rankings in the podcast charts so more people can discover excellent reception. Also, check out our website, www.excellentreception.com, for more information about the artist and the songs we have featured on the podcast. So this is part two of our spiritual jazz series. On today's episode of Excellent Reception, we're going to look at jazz musicians who have used their music as a way to transcend beyond the world we know. There are almost too many noteworthy artists and songs to mention around the subject matter, but here are just a handful to get you going. On part two, we're going to feature the music of Pharaoh Sanders, Lonnie Liston-Smith, Rasan Roland-Kirk, Albert Ayler, and Charles Erland. Excellent reception. Tenor saxophonist Pharrell Sanders, who was later known to the world as Pharaoh Sanders, has one of the most distinctive sounds in jazz. He is masterful enough to play the most pristine melodies, but he pushed his instrument to the point it produced a much more primal sound that wasn't held back by the limits of music theory. He is notorious for often using unorthodox techniques, like overblowing and even yelling through his horn, which created abrasive shrieking and elephant-like noises. While he faced criticism from the jazz world for his harshness, he would eventually learn to strike a balance between the beauty and the chaos. In 1961, Sanders moved to New York City, where he would struggle to get by, but he was given an opportunity to play with some of the greats. He even spent some time performing with Sun Ra, who presented the budding musician with his new moniker, Pharaoh. Sanders would eventually form his own group, along with drummer Billy Higgins, pianist John Hicks, and Wilbur Ware on bass. The band would end up playing a gig at the Village Gate, where John Coltrane was in the audience. Coltrane was impressed with the performance, and a year later, he would ask Pharaoh to join his band. This led to Sanders playing with Coltrane throughout some of his most adventurous albums, concerts, and tours. After John's passing, Sanders was seen in some circles as the person who would carry on the Coltrane legacy. But Pharaoh felt like he wanted to focus on his own thing. Sanders would go on to have an intensely creative streak of recording while signed with Impulse Records. He would make 10 albums in a five-year period. These projects would feature huge ensembles playing music that combined traditional jazz with African folk, soul, gospel, Sufi mysticism, and Zen Buddhism. The themes spoke about world peace, spirituality, and the African-American experience. The personnel included many notable players, like Leon Thomas, Idris Muhammad, Lonnie Liston-Smith, Norman Connors, Gary Bartz, Stanley Clark, James and Toomey, and many more. The 33-minute epic 
the creator has a master plan, which appears on the album Karma, might be one of Pharaoh Sanders' greatest works. The whole piece is a heavily textured garden of sound, with layers upon layers of percussion, fluttering flutes, marimbas, and vibrant piano playing. After a long buildup, you hear the voice of Leon Thomas with his unique umbo-wetty throat singing style. It feels so sacred and beautiful. The creator has a master plan would go on to get a decent amount of FM radio play, making it somewhat of a free jazz hit. Here's a brief segment of Pharaoh Sanders' song, The Creator Has a Master Plan.
Excellent Reception Podcast. Not to be confused with organist Dr. Lonnie Smith, who is notable in his own right. The legendary keyboardist known as Lonnie Liston Smith brought together jazz, funk, fusion, and metaphysical philosophies in his own unique way. He spent his early years playing piano in sessions and on tour with greats like Rasan Roland Kirk, Betty Carter, Max Roach, and more. Once he started playing with Pharoah Sanders and Miles Davis near the end of the 1960s, he would begin to break away from performing straight-ahead jazz. The very first time Lonnie Liston-Smith ever touched an electric piano was during the recording session for Pharoah Sanders' Thimby album. The studio happened to have a Fender Rhodes, which Smith would find himself playing around with while other musicians were setting up. While messing around, he came up with some melodies that captured the attention of the rest of the band. The reverberating notes created the feeling of floating through space and reminded Smith of the concept of astral projection that he had been studying. He named the song Astral Traveling. The electric piano would become a staple of his musical palette from that point forward. Lonnie Liston-Smith would go on to develop his abilities working with electric keyboards while joining Gatto Barbieri's band, as well as working with Miles Davis. Gatto would expose Smith to South American and Afro-Cuban rhythms, as well as playing styles, further developing his global perspective. Miles would push Smith to find out ways to introduce more innovative sounds and even insisting that Lonnie learns to play the organ. At the same time he was working with Miles, Lonnie Liston-Smith was also developing his own band, The Cosmic Echoes, who was made up of musicians Cecil McBee on bass, Dave Lee Jr. on drums, Badal Roy on tabla, Gita Vashi on tambora, George Barron on sax, James Mtumi and Sonny Morgan on percussion, and Joe Beck on guitar. Over the next four years, the band will record five albums of stylistic and deeply textured spiritual jazz fused with rock, funk, pop, and cross-cultural influences. Their debut album would kick off with the title track, Astral Traveling, which was an updated version of the music Smith had created right after his fingers had touched a Fender Rhodes for the first time. So here's Lonnie Liston-Smith and the Cosmic Echoes with Astral Traveling.
reception. The thing about creative individuals is that all of that expressive energy tends to build up inside of them, almost like air inside of a balloon, and they have to let it out. This usually results in them producing huge bodies of work or them expressing themselves through various forms of art. For Rasan Roland Kurt, this feeling must have been more intense than most because it compelled him to become a multi-instrumentalist. And when I say multi-instrumentalist, I don't mean it in the traditional sense at all. Rasan Roland Kirk was known for playing a variety of wind instruments at the same time. This wasn't just a gimmick to get attention. This was his way of communicating what was inside of him. This unique style was something he had been doing since the age of 14 and continued to perfect. It was a dream that convinced a young Roland Kirk to add Rasan to his name. It was also a dream that inspired him to simultaneously play multiple instruments. Over the years, he incorporated over four dozen instruments to his repertoire. But he was best known for his ability to play three brass instruments at once using a circular breathing technique. Many of these instruments were homemade or redesigned to suit his needs. His flute playing technique was also very distinctive for the way he sings, huffs, and grunts while playing. While his performances were known to have elements of comedy and outright weirdness, he was very focused on searching for cosmic truths and communicating about black experiences through his sonic vocabulary. Even when doing cover versions of popular songs, such as My Sharia Moore or Say a Little Prayer, Kirk would completely rearrange the melodic structure to give the song a much more profound meaning. One of his most heavy recordings is the classic Spirits Up Above from his album Volunteered Slavery. Kirk and his band asked the listeners to open themselves up to receive a message from the spiritual realm. The track features the Roland Kirk Spirit Choir, who uses their voices to help guide us along before the music elevates us to another plane of existence. Here is Rasan Roland Kirk with Spirits Up Above.
saxophonist Albert Ayler once said that Train was the father, Pharaoh was the son, and he was the Holy Ghost. Ayler would definitely be found at the far end of the spectrum when looking at the full range of spiritual jazz artists. He spent time playing R&B, bebop, and in a military band during his early years. Later, he would evolve into one of the most progressive abstract musicians of his generation, with songs that have elements reminiscent of bugle calls, national anthems, nursery rhymes, drinking songs, and other motifs designed to bring people together. It could be said that Ayler's music was a rallying cry. At the same time, he sought out a type of freedom in his music that often could be alienating to people. He would experiment with microtonality, as in using intervals smaller than a semitone, as well as fully exploring the physical properties of the saxophone. With a disregard for traditional arrangements and timing, his songs could easily create the feelings of total destruction or complete harmony. While his music didn't always have the commercial appeal, he won the respect of free jazz enthusiasts as well as his mentor, John Coltrane. Albert Ayler's career and life ended way too soon. In the winter of 1970, he would mysteriously disappear, only to be found weeks later dead in New York City's East River. Much of his genius would not fully be appreciated until years later. Before his passing, he would release one last studio album called Music is the Healing Force of the Universe. This album would feature some far-out avant-garde moments, as well as a return to his blues roots, along with some rock elements. The title track would feature his girlfriend, Mary Marla Parks, on vocals. While each musician freely tests the limits of their instruments, she keeps the listener centered with singing that comes off as a ritualistic chant or a deep meditation. Let's listen to Music is the Healing Force of the Universe by Albert Ayler. This is the Excellent Reception Podcast. Mind in a head. 
reconciled, unites, become a one. It brings about a state of wholeness and purifies. Oh, let it come in. Oh, let it come in. The music of the Reception. Born and raised in Philadelphia, Charles Erlin started off in music as a saxophonist, playing along with greats like Pat Marino, Lou Donaldson, and even a young Frankie Avalon. After joining Jimmy McGriff's band, he would be inspired to learn the Hammond B3 organ, which would be his signature instrument for years to come. As a band leader, he recorded a huge discography of music in a variety of styles, ranging from hardcore funk to disco to straight-ahead jazz. He also scored the soundtrack for the exploitation film, The Dynamite Brothers, and he had music in the X-rated animated feature, Fritz the Cat. While it might not perfectly fit in the realm of spiritual jazz from a stylistic perspective, Charles Erlin's 1974 album, Leaving This Planet, definitely continues the tradition from a thematic point of view. The album would probably fit best in the soul fusion compartment of the jazz genre, but it definitely has a strong cosmic undertone and Afrofuturist appeal. With this album, Erlen teamed up with Freddie Hubbard and Joe Henderson to make something out of this world. The album uses soulful textures, spacey synthesizers, and unconventional rhythms to create the experience of traveling through the galaxy. The musicians here achieve a higher state without pushing themselves or their instruments too far beyond their limits. Instead, they maintain their cool and stay in total control and play right in the pocket. The title track from Leaving This Planet is a funk jazz masterpiece that opened the album in a big way. Drummer Harvey Mason kicked off the song with a samba funk style drum break that combined with Larry Killian's percussion feels like a fireball of dynamic energy. Charles Erlin, along with keyboardist Pat Gleason, who's best known for introducing Herbie Hancock to synthesizers, worked their magic on Moog and ARP synthesizers to construct a space age melody. Singer Rudy Copeland jumps on the track to sing about escaping the problems of the world by abandoning the earth altogether. You can feel how passionate he is about this subject. At one point, he literally starts screaming the words. The song fully blasts off to the stratosphere once Erlen puts his hands on the organs and begins to play. We are headed off on our journey, and there's no turning this ship around. So let's listen to it now. Leaving This Planet by Charles Erlen.
Reception Podcast. Well, that's it. Thank you once again for tuning into the Excellent Reception Podcast. If you love what we're doing here, please spread the word to other music lovers you know. Make sure you check us out at excellentreception.com. 
And if you haven't done it yet, please subscribe to the podcast so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Also, you can listen to my broadcast radio show, Eavesdrop Radio, in Philadelphia, every Friday from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WKDU 91.7 FM or streaming live online at WKDU.org. So until next time, this is your host, Little Dave, signing off for Excellent Reception, where we're always coming in loud and clear with the sounds you need to hear. Excellent Reception. Reception.